I guess Michelle's here. You're here. This is the only place anybody ever is anymore. My whole catchphrase is just watch out. out. Everybody's, Everybody's here. Nobody's anywhere else. Like, uh, so I'm glad that at least we're stuck together. I'm stuck with you. All you fight fans. <laughs> Michelle Joy Phelps, stuck with you. <laughs> uh, I don't know how the world has managed to work in the past two months, but all of a sudden it kind of feels like we're getting used to this shit and boxing news actually exists again. Like, things are happening. Did you know that the world kept turning and people kept getting older during the quarantine? Which I think is wildly unfair. <laughs> there should be, like, like, just to be fair, like, to all time should stop. We shouldn't continue to age if we're not allowed to continue to have fun. Like, nothing good is... Wait, I say again? There needs to be a pause button. I mean, I think seeing it's so unfair that people are celebrating, like, pivotal moments in their lives being on lockdown right now, like turning 21, turning 30, <laughs> 50 year anniversaries, you know what I'm saying? Things that ain't, they're never going to come back again. Listen, if this goes on until June, I don't care what happens, nothing's going to stop me from partying. <laughs> 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 My birthday is consumed by quarantine. I'm going to be all over the globe on the news as the biggest asshole ever because I'm throwing a bash. I'm doing it. It's happening. By then, it's just, it'll just be my last birthday. I'm all right with that. Did you know that actress Shay Mitchell? No. Okay. From where? She did a really funny post because she was celebrating her 33rd birthday, right? So she's like, well, obviously, she can't go anywhere. She just has her son and her husband. So she, she made a sign and stood on the corner of the road with the sign that said, it's my 33rd birthday. For every honk, I take a drink. And she had, like, a big bottle of whiskey. <laughs> She's a hero. She's a hero. Brilliant. God bless this great nation on alcoholism. <laughs> this is the kind of inspiration I'm going to need in June. When's the last time I... What? When's the last time you've been at the store? Because I'm curious to know if your alcohol beverages are as... As uh, limited as it is over here. Okay, I'm going to do a bit of a humble brag right now. Uh, I was soggy for like two months. Because I started the quarantine, I think, a little bit before the state. And uh, by soggy, I mean all of my veins, all of my skin, every pore was full of whiskey and tequila. I got so far down the line that I found a Don Julio that actually itself mixed scotch. And tequila in the same bottle and I cherished it I held it close to my heart I slept with it I huddled it I talked to it I still have it but it's only halfway down in this last week I've been dry 100% depressed crying myself to sleep waking up wondering if it's worth getting out of bed ever again but no alcohol so, so hold on hold on so you ran out clearly and so, <laughs> so you have to go to the store to actually, like, see if you could get more. Oh, there's more. <laughs> and it's, and it's putting good deals out. Like, I mean, you know, nobody's really paying us for these shout-outs, but I'm going to give Costco a real, like, gold star Costco because you can get a handle of Johnny Black. And by a handle, for those of us who don't live like, you know, happy lives, a handle 
is a jug of alcohol that actually has a handle because the bottle's so big you can't just grip it with one hand. There's an alcohol content at Costco that will literally like bring tears to your eyes if you love scotch as much as I do. They're killing it. There's, again, a bottle of Don Julio that is mixed with scotch. This is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> this is a hardcore drinker, but it's gold. This week, no alcohol. I did, I did no alcohol, but it's out there. It's out there. You might not be able to wipe your butt. You might not be able to eat any kind of like organic foods, but you can definitely get soggy drunk. <laughs> nice to know. Uh, I'm looking forward to my birthday, but some people have already had theirs in the quarantine, which is sad because they're clearly not sitting on the side of the road holding up signs to do shots because they're professional athletes. <laughs> and it's also sad because this is a young man's sport. Boxing is not for the old and alcoholic and uh, bad need. But just because they're not putting it on social media doesn't mean they're not having a good time. <laughs> you know, that's true, and I'm a, I'm a little concerned about that. Like, I'm wondering who can hold out just becoming a normal person. We're like, that's the thing. Boxers, like elite level fighters, they're not normal people. You don't get to have all the, like, downtime and relief and partying and take a few days off if you're going to stay at the elite level it is an entire lifestyle like nobody abides that more than floyd mayweather you know what i mean um you can you can understand the difference between a person who commits 24 7 to the sport and somebody who's uh adrian bronner it's like hey, i'm good i'm better than most of you but uh, i'm gonna have a good time too yeah <laughs> but Enjoy my life, you know. Yeah. Like success. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And then they wake me up in the ring. I'm gonna get back to enjoying my life. But before we get into the perils of aging, let's at least start by wishing a happy birthday to those who reached a milestone this week. Um, uh, I've already talked a lot of shit about them, so I'll let you do that, Michelle. <laughs> Uh, happy birthday to Dillian White and uh, Triple G. Triple G had a birthday as well. He is now 38. Um, happy birthday, Triple G. Happy I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yay! Now, here's what everybody in boxing knows. This is not enough candles for Triple G. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it's wildly unfair right like this guy has been frozen out from the big fights his entire career including the first two Canelo fights like I think that they could have happened sooner it could have been more fairly judged regardless of who you think came out I don't think anybody is happy with all three judges cards in either fight but the wait, the wait time that this guy has on getting that third fight has not only been too long before anybody knew what coronavirus was, but on the other end of it, 
I think he's got the worst luck in the world. Right? You know what? All I'm going to say is uh, it really it really sucks for these people, you know, who they're, they're still sort of in training mode because they want to stay ready just in case we get some sort of miracle notice that we only got two weeks left. And they want to be the first out. You know what I'm saying? Like, they want that, like, July 18th card. They want that July 30th card. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but at the same time, there's no guarantee. And so it's sort of like they're having to sort of, I guess this is just a really extended training camp for them. Because when you're in training camp, you're not really doing anything anyways other than training and going home. So I guess it's not too off, too far off. But I, it, I think it does suck that. There is no time frame. There's no guarantees to when they're going to be back. Right. As you know, a, a, a camp, you have 10 weeks, like an average camp for a fight. You know who your opponent is. You know the date. You know 10 weeks out. You start training. Nobody wants to overtrain, right? And like you said, everybody wants to be ready. But we're also assuming that just because you're the fighter, your trainer is available to you. Your facility is like in your house or on your property or still available to you. That is only true for the top elite of the elite fighters. Even like the best fighters that are not making the big bucks and maybe holding multiple titles, there's only one trainer to go around. No trainer can survive on only having one fighter. Not even if you got the biggest fighter in the sport, they've all got other fighters. So, it's like a pick them. I'm certain these trainers aren't flying around, taking Winnebago's from state to state, going into other people's houses. You pick one. You pick the top horse. You know what I mean? Even if you're doing that. Exactly. Like, how are they going to get from one fight to the next, right? So imagine that. How many, like, elite trainers there are, which is way fewer, fewer than there are elite fighters. And if each trainer has to pick one guy... That leaves a lot of fighters on their own. I feel, like I feel like it's more or less keeping their conditioning going more than training because, you know, even like myself having been sick and then been out, I, I go to the gym four or five times a week easy. I was walking up and down my parents' stairs and I swear to you, I was winded. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't even believe what was happening. And it's so it's so important to sort of keep that, keep your endurance going and, um, I think, again, for the most part, people are just running, uh, doing pad work, doing everything yeah, they can. Michelle, if Teddy Atlas had been behind you, like, keep your knees up, loser, one more step, keep it going, we're doing it again. Look at Chris Eubank Jr., he's still doing his work with Roy Jones right now. So okay. some, some people are. Um, but yeah, not everyone has the, the luxury. I get what you're saying. It is unfortunate for Triple G. You know, we already know that he's, he's getting up there and, and, and we don't know exactly how, like, how fit he's keeping. He's not really putting much out there. Like, we don't know what his weekly regimen is at this point. I would imagine he's still training or trying to do training, but... Canelo is. Canelo is. Every week, he's like having a great time. I'm sure the meat down there is tender. Like, <laughs> there's no question that Canelo's going to be ready. Why? Canelo, he had. Go ahead. Canelo trains 
of course, you guys might disagree with me on this. I might even get my head bitten off over it. But Canelo, uh, I feel like he's just as disciplined in training as, you know, what you see in someone like Floyd Mayweather, who was always in the gym. Like, I don't think we really ever see Canelo out of the gym for extended periods. I think at one point he went on, like, vacation with his fiance and his daughter for, like, a month. And I think that was, like, the longest we've seen of him not being in a gym training. And he was probably training while he was on vacation there, too. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. he, He's younger. Right, but he's someone who always stays ready. And he has the uh, and he has the advantage of being able to pick which of three weight classes he wants to fight in next. So I imagine he can decide exactly how much training he wants to do and at what weight he wants to fight. That's a luxury that almost no fighter has. And he's not short of opponents. Like everybody's lining up. Everyone's like, "Hey, I'm free." I swear he's got like five on deck right now in two different weight classes at the moment. So it's like. No, three weight weight classes at the moment. They're all just waiting. Well, I'd like the audience to start thinking about and telling us what they think if this layoff, because I'm telling you, Triple G Canelo is the first fight for them out of quarantine. Not because either one of them say so, but there's no way DAZN is coming back with anything less than that. So has this, I mean, we have to also remember Triple G is with a new trainer. He didn't look all that impressive. In the fights he's had with uh, Benson's corner, maybe this is a time for him to learn the new style. Uh, maybe he can get sparring partners in and utilize this time and not just get old, but get better. And he could advantage him. Who knows? Uh, maybe Canelo starts to get bored and, you know, or, or assume that Canelo and Triple G is getting older and easier to beat. And comes in like a little ring rusty and gets surprised. I think it's still the big point. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> it's not easy, Dave. You don't come over. <laughs> well, I'm not laughing. We know. the womb ready. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy is like, he's just a different animal, so. Uh, well, each one of those houses, I'm sure, looks. A lot different. The Reynosos in one running the camp, and uh, Jonathan Banks in the other running the camp. But who you surround yourself with in this time is going to have a lot to do with who you are on the other end of quarantine. People are going to come out of quarantine like totally different people. You know what I mean? They're going to they're going to like love their wives and hate their children. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> they're going to be personality shifts altogether. So the question being. I think people are going to come out more single than they ever were. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Oh, possibly. But also, probably batshit crazy. Because this kind of isolation can drive you nuts. If you had an opportunity before quarantine to pick who you're going to be quarantined with, Michelle has come up with a list of different houses that you could possibly live in. Throughout quarantine, we're not gonna we're not gonna get your choices till the end. We're not gonna give ours till the end. But let me let, uh, go ahead, Michelle. Give them their choices of houses. Okay. Now, um, shout out to Boxy Memes for making this because this this should crack me up. It, it had me thinking like, well, mm, well, I don't know. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's gonna get you guys thinking too. So we're gonna start with house number one. 
Adrian Broner, Jennifer Lopez, Gervonta Davis, Ocho Cinco, and Marcos Maidana. Okay, let that one really sink in real quick. Okay, house number one. Let's move to house number two. Mike Tyson, Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, I love me some Cardi, LL Cool J, and Anthony Joshua. Okay, guys, that's house number two. Now, house number three, 50 Cent, Nicki Minaj, Floyd Mayweather, yes, you guys, that's Floyd and 50 under the same roof, okay? Jack Rill <laughs> and Eminem, okay? That, the house number three is popping, <laughs> but probably for all the other, the wrong reasons. Um, now, house number four, Ryan Garcia, Connor McGregor, Rihanna, Michael Blackson, and Manny Pacquiao. Okay, that's house number four. So I want you guys to think about it, really think about it, and give us your reasons why. Because there's, in several of those houses, it's gotten like, mm, well, just based on those two could be really interesting. Well, do you want drama? Do you want jokes? Do you want to make looks because someone's hot like you? Do you want to get high like all day, every day? <laughs> House number two is going to be a hot box all day. So. <laughs> uh, well, Floyd has decided what kind of house he's going to be in. He's, he's in the doghouse. That's what he calls uh, Mayweather Boxing Gym. But He's not just the top dog. He's trying to raise up some pups, which people have asked me this before. I think I've even asked him before, and the answer was always a resounding uh, no, as the idea that Floyd Mayweather would become a trainer, right? Not, of course, because of any lack of knowledge about the sport, but personality-wise, I thought being a trainer was like the antithesis to who this guy is, right? Then we saw Javante Davis come out and Floyd screaming from the apron, which first of all, I don't know what the fuck the commission is doing, but I've never ever seen somebody be able to stand on the apron of a professional fight and a title fight who's not in the corner and just scream instructions. <laughs> just like, just scream instructions in the fighter because technically at the event, you're just a participant, like me. Like, can I just go to the, like, apron and scream at Deontay Wilder? Move your head! <laughs> is that a lot? That's why Floyd be telling people I run boxing. Anyone telling him nothing when he's standing there? They're not gonna. It's true. And then they have the nerve between rounds to, like, the camera guys will come over and get his opinion. Like, we can't all hear his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> The question is, um, I'm sure is what you're asking, is is or does Floyd Mayweather make a good trainer? Is that what you're asking? That's what I'm asking. It's a good one because, you know, you have to really, again, take into consideration personality, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think what he's trying to do, 
you know, on the heels of losing his uncle is find a way to keep that, the memory alive, his memory alive. Like, you know, it's like a, a homage to him. I respect it. I, I can see Floyd at the end of the day has proven that he could pretty much do whatever he says he's going to do. Right. So I really think that at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to how long it can keep his interest because you know, Floyd likes to travel. Floyd likes things to be on his terms. You know, when you're training somebody, they can't they can't just be uprooted and travel with you because it doesn't give the, the, the fighter any consistency. So if he's willing to really invest into that time and keeping himself planted and making it about the fighter, then I can see him being exceptionally you know, or exceptional at that position. It's just, again, how much you're willing to give up to dedicate yourself to another person's career. And as Rochelle has said to me recently on this show, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> this is the antithesis of what Floyd is all about. Floyd is all about Floyd. And that is not an issue when you are the best in your field. I get it. Why wouldn't it be all about you? Why wouldn't you run boxing? Why wouldn't you think that everything that you do is the best way it could possibly be done? Because you keep proving it over and over again. But in basketball, for instance, I've watched this in, in, in boxing as well. You'll notice that really good athletes, oftentimes good team players, can become good coaches. But the best of the best, the Jordans, the Kobe's, even Magic Johnson tried to coach the Lakers for a bit. They, they cannot suffer the incompetence of mediocrity. They can't handle a fighter not being able to do what they themselves can do. Like, it's all fun and games when it's your nephew and your son and you love these people and you're like, well, maybe I can impart this natural Mayweather ability to them and I can train them to be like me. But the first problem is you're training them to be like you. You think I'm the best. This is the best way to do it. Let me make other people like me. That's not how training works. You have to find out what's the best about them. And be able to be patient enough to develop that, deal with them losing fights that you would have won, make excuses for people losing when you think there really is no excuse, take criticism as a loser when you're just the trainer and not fight. Can you imagine when Floyd's in the corner and his fighter loses and someone says, you know what, somebody probably like me, no, not like me, me, because I'm the best at doing this. <laughs> would say, how does it feel to have your first loss in the ring? Floyd is going to lose his fucking mind. <laughs> He's going to be livid because that he can't suffer. I'm going to do what I do best, and that <laughs> is be devil's advocate. You know what I'm saying? I'm always believing that somebody could do something if they want to really do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say he can't. Because obviously he can, but he can only do it, like I said, if he's willing to make sacrifices in his own life to revolve around another person 
who has nowhere near the accolades that you've had in your career. So he's, I could see him bringing on a co-trainer who does a lot of the work. And then he, he is obviously there to do a lot of, um, how do I say it? He's a, I just think that he, he can obviously do it, but again, it has to be about the fighter and not about his schedule, his wants and his needs um, moving forward or, or through a good duration of his time because you can't just pop in and out and expect to be the trainer you want to be. So I think it's really going to depend on what he's willing to give up for this position. <laughs> he can do it. I don't think he'll want to. I don't think anything that you just said really would be appealing to him long term. Everything that you're talking about is that's necessary for a good trainer is the opposite of his entire life. You're talking about a fighter who at the top of... Yes, he left his promoter and promoted himself in a genius move because he didn't want to be told what to do. He wanted things on his schedule, on his time to pick his fights the way he wanted it and promote it the way he saw fit. And it was the best stroke of genius business-wise in boxing bar none. But as a promoter, he struggled to put together a camp, a full stable, I should say, of successful fighters, as any young promoter would. The difference between being a promoter and having a stable of guys, and they all have their trainers, and your job is to sell tickets and put that thing in front of the audience, which Floyd can do because he's Floyd, and being in the corner responsible to some degree as to whether a fighter wins or loses <clears throat> is a different type of accountability. And I don't see Floyd being the kind of guy that handles a blemish well or suffers mediocrity gladly. And I hope he, I hope he, he proves me wrong because he's such a genius in the sport, a defensive mastermind, arguably uh, the best ever. That if he could impart that to somebody, if he could be humble and put the things aside that I think will be hurdles and actually be able to develop fighters' best skills and impart his best talents to them, he could, he could be an amazing trainer. Someone I think that's actually doing that, that's of the same class as Floyd, is Roy Jones. Roy Jones is a phenomenal trainer. People don't even know that. Some people don't know that. Yeah, he doesn't have any top fighters. He hasn't really had like a an opportunity to shine as a trainer. He doesn't go out seeking uh, promotion as a trainer. He's kind of a quiet guy. You can come to his gym. He'll train. He'll give you the things. It doesn't even necessarily need to be in the corner with you. He actually is a teacher. That I think would be my like dark horse of great all time great fighters that become trainers, like my TBE ahead of time as a boxer at that level and become a trainer, it's going to be Roy Jones. It's going to be Roy Jones. I mean, look, it, it's really going to be about time, isn't it? Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> well, we've got nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and like we ask every week, 
what are you doing with the time on your hands, right? And to Andy Ruiz's credit, he seems to be spending the time, as he should, in the gym, getting his cardio on, getting his weight down, and he was like, you know how it is when you're fat and you need to, like, I think everyone has been fat at some point in their life, if not by average standards, by their own standards, and then you like, yo, look at me, I'm out here losing weight, I'm looking better, which we should all encourage each other to do and be. So, Andy Ruiz puts online his training session, like, yo, guys, I'm, I'm still dedicated, I'm still doing it, and you horrible people, you horrible people, who are, I'm certain, you would I'm certain. Think, you would think with the times of today, you know, we should be compassionate, and we should support each other, and we should be tuning into each other's lives and supporting each other's mental state. But, no, no. No, no, no. There, I cannot believe that people are so vile. Actually, I can't believe it. I experience it myself a lot, but I just can't believe that. I just said that. I can't believe that. I can't believe it. It's unfortunate. That's all I'm going to say. It is unfor it's unfortunate that they're fat shaming him. What was his, like, thing? Eat, train, sleep, repeat? Was that it? That was eat, train, train, sleep. train, eat, sleep, repeat, right? That, that's, that's, that's good. That's what you should be doing. Do you know that you vicious, sick animals said eat, 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 and then re-eat? <laughs> like, that's what you're doing. We're all like swelling up alcoholics, sitting on our asses, not I don't know how many world titles you've won, but I'm certain it's far less than any release. With any form of six pack, like even just a one pack. Do you even have just a crease in the middle of your stomach? Like, do you, you know what I'm saying? Nobody <laughs> eats. Everybody's eating up all the snacks, like in the first week, had to go back to the store, grab them some more, and everyone is losing their, because no, no one's really working out. Like, who has a, who has a gym at their house? Not very many people. So unless you get super creative, if you were somebody who completely relied on the treadmill or the elliptical or the stairmaster, you are fucked. Like you are so screwed <laughs> because there's none of that at home. So okay, but now with that said, because I'm a victim of YouTube comments, you're a victim of YouTube comments. We get it. People are mean. People want to be funny. People don't think you're human. They just think you can just say any fucking thing. But he is an elite athlete. He did lose multiple world titles in the same night by his own admission because he didn't train. He came into a world title fight heavier than he was in the first fight in which he referred to himself as fat. So if you're fat in the firm fight and you come in heavier, are you fighting a beast? He's owned it. He said, look, I messed up. It is what it is. He lost his future, you know, million dollar fights, potential fights, because he lost his titles. Now he's going to have to climb himself back up like a lot of others 
and he's going to probably end up taking major pay cuts from his last one, really big pay cuts from his last one, and rebuild himself. So who the hell are we to knock a guy who is actually openly saying, like, look, guys, I'm here trying to lose the weight. I mean, I'm not going to knock him for that, and I'm not going to call him names over it either. I mean, he, he made a mistake. Big one. Yeah, but I'm saying maybe we're the heroes, the fat shamers. Yeah. Clearly, the first time, we all believed in him. We all encouraged him. We wanted to do Snickers commercials. We thought, like, hey, I, half the people I talked to, world-class fighters, top-level trainers, like, maybe he's better fat. You, how many times did you hear that in the build-up to Ruiz Joshua 2? How many people said, I'm worried about him losing weight because he's a better fighter fat? Well, clearly they were all wrong. He took that advice, took that encouragement, and got fatter. <laughs> if you shame a guy like this and never let him forget the mistake he made, never let him never let him off the hook, maybe the fan shaming is like fuel. And he'll come back better than ever. And just say maybe. Well, I will say this much. When I was inspired to get myself more back actively in the gym, I was in Cancun, and I remember just reading the most nastiest comments ever under a video. And I was like, oh, she's looked bloated, she looks bigger, there's this, there's that, right? There's always the expectation to look like you did when you were 10, like 10 years ago when you started in this industry, you know what I'm saying? Like when I was clearly like easily 15 pounds lighter, but I looked anorexic. But um, at the end of the day, it did push me in a way to lose the weight because I, or just, just feel better about myself and it helped my mental state as well what i'm concerned with and when you experience criticism on a mass level it's not fun like i'm not even where all these other people are and they're receiving criticism but even on my own just in my own way like i experienced a lot and it really messed with you. It really, it can make you fall into depression, make you want to hurt yourself. Like you start thinking worst case scenario situations and it's not fun. So I am just concerned with, you know, people making quote unquote jokes where it can affect him mentally, especially in a time like right now where we're all already going to go a bit crazy to start with. Yeah. <clears throat> That's very sweet. At the day, at the end of the day, I just don't think it's it's cool ever to be mean. But that's just me. Yes, this is the life we've chosen, and people are wildly vicious and rude and mean to this day. <laughs> uh, I, I fully get what you're saying. These things are true. I'm just wondering if this particular guy is internalizing that kind of negativity and letting it erode his confidence or, make, or making it a greater challenge to what he needs to do. Or, again, like a lot of athletes, like they hear people talking shit and not letting them off the hook for their past mistakes. And if they really feel like and know they can do better, <clears throat> it's not the best kind of motivation. I know, like the beatings will cease when morale improves. <laughs> but... but <laughs> level believing that if you're mean to somebody it might actually inspire them 
to want to change. I just don't believe in that. Not everyone has that mind frame. Some people do. I, I did. I was like, okay, all right, y'all want to talk shit. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to get my ass back in that gym. And I well, did. How explain Amir Khan? Because people have nonstop been talking shit about him since Danny Garcia knocked him out. And he still feels like he deserves not just a Pacquiao fight, but a Mayweather fight, too, before he retires. This guy is unmovable in his self-perception of where he belongs in the sport. I, I respect that. He's, talk, he's like calling out Manny Pacquiao now. Again, he's been calling out Manny Pacquiao and Floyd like his entire career. I don't think he's ever even been like genuinely close to either of those fights. And we've all seen the memes, we've seen the stinky leg, we've seen like this, the, the him in bed sleeping, like it's awful. It's awful what we do as a community to each other in our lowest moments. You're 100% correct. <laughs> but some guys are immovable. Amir Khan is one of them. And I guess the question is, does Amir Khan deserve the Pacquiao fight? Is that still a fight? That people want to see. I, 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 at a time, there was a time when people were like, yo, that's a fucking great matchup. At one point, I loved the narrative, and I think that must have been three or four years ago. I loved the narrative of former stable, um, having shared the former, or, sorry, I can't even talk. Having shared the same stable at one point being under Freddie Roach. I liked it. There were two of the fastest fighters uh, speed versus speed, friend versus friend. You know what I mean? It, it made sense. But if you're asking the question, does he deserve it? Deserving and wanting are two completely different things. Okay? No. Plain and simple. No. Because he's not been active. I think the last fight he had was... Was it the Italian in Liverpool? No, it was it was in Saudi Arabia, and he fought oh, Bill Because right. I couldn't cover. Nobody went to that. I remember. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. When we're when we're looking at it from that perspective, no, no. But does. At one point, would that have made a great fight? And would that have been something people... I still think if, if Manny decided to give, you know, throw Khan a bone and take the fight, then I do think that it would still be... We'd still watch it. It would still, hopefully, still be a good fight. But is he is he deserving to be the even in the top five of, of opponents that Manny should be facing next? No, I just don't think it would be fair. His last fight was in Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> Our fight in Saudi Arabia with Joshua Ruiz um, too showed that the city can absolutely handle a big fight and is not only inviting of, but willing to facilitate whatever is necessary to put on a show of just that magnitude. With uh, Khan's background and the amount of Filipino people that also are willing to travel and already in Saudi to uh, far more people than I would have expected. I think in Saudi, especially, that's a, that's a huge fight. It's still a huge fight. And you're right, like on the numbers, 
it's almost impossible to make a case for Khan as like the number one contender considering Pacquiao is a belt holder again. But because of his, it, I think because of Khan's like immovable confidence in this, like his style and a, a fan base, a, a, a culture that will continue to support him if they think he's even got like the thinnest of shots, he's still able to be a marquee fighter as long as he does a marquee matchup, right? Right, but the, the, the last marquee matchup he had was against Terrence Crawford. Well, that's rude to bring that up, Michelle. You justify, based on that performance, could you justify a Pacquiao fight? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But, but, but what, what, coming out of quarantine, I don't think, I, I, and this will be unfair, but I don't think number one contenders and mandatories and uh, resumes are going to be the first thing considered as to whether or not a, a fight is made. It's going to be money. Who can drive the biggest audience? And in that way, does Amir Khan still have box office power? Uh, in, a, in a good matchup. Like, I, I think that that's his whole card right now. Like, yo, take this to Saudi, bring Pacquiao with both holes. <laughs> You know what I mean? Pacquiao's looking a hell of a lot better than Khan is in his in his in his age, but Khan I think could still drive numbers there. And uh, I think the fight for Pacquiao though is Garcia, Danny Garcia, and Danny Garcia, Mikey Garcia. And I think that's what's ultimately going to end up happening. I do believe, or even Terrence Crawford. Terrence has been campaigning for that as well. So um, again, if the question you are asking is, does he deserve it? The answer is no. <laughs> does it make sense in a country like Saudi or Dubai to make a fight like that? Yes. But ultimately, we're not talking about, the question wasn't about who, who brings the best business. The question was, does he deserve the fight? And he doesn't, based on the others that, you know, are, are in line for that mega fight. All right, so we're going to put you guys undecided. Um, <laughs> the questions now get to come from the viewing audience. Before I uh, move on, I got I to hear from somebody. What are they saying out there? So Joseph Minash is asking, um, he says, Radio Rahim, I noticed in the buildups to the Wilder Fury fights, he had an unconvinced expression to Tyson Fury's assertions. Thoughts on the champ's confidence? Uh, I had a, a what? You had an unconvinced expression to his assertions. I don't know exactly what assertions you speak of, uh, but I am unconvinced of everything until the final bell rings. I am absolutely not convinced that anything that anyone is saying is true until I see them do it. In the ring, that is an entirely different conversation those two fighters are having than the conversation that they're having with the press before they climb those ropes. They will try to convince you they're going to do something they have absolutely no intention of doing, try to convince themselves that they can do something that you know they have absolutely no ability to do, and they will try to get you to report on things that they know that their opponent, if convinced of, will come in expecting something that isn't going to be delivered to them. So I am always skeptical. 
I am never convinced. And in fact, if I was, I would feel like a sucker. So I, I would, I would say, watch my interviews with Tyson. Watch, watch my interviews with Wilder. Watch, 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 watch my interviews with their, their trainers. trainers. Watch, watch my interviews with, with a, a fan. fan. And, and I, I am not convinced they're telling the truth. truth. <laughs> think, oh, oh, my God. And I'm going to get to the truth of it. Fury, like, better than most, is a showman. He's a character. He's going to try to lead you down the wrong path to lead his opponent down the wrong path. So one day he'll say this. The other day he'll say that. Right before the fight, though, I think it was the final press conference, he was wearing big sweat sweatsuits, big uh, uh, shirts and towels under his sweatsuits, and looked um, uh, bigger. And then I thought he came, or I should say, at the first press conference, he was looking bigger. And then he took all that stuff off and just had like a thin windbreaker type of tracksuit and looked smaller. And I was like, all right, what are we, who, how are you catfishing here? In what way? What are you trying to do? Are you you saying things that are, like, inconceivable at the time? Like, I'm going to knock Wilder out in two rounds, and everyone just, like, rolled their eyes and gasped, like, okay, clearly you're full of shit. You're not even going to try to do that. And are you saying that so often and so confidently that maybe um, you're catfishing us, and they're like, okay, well, clearly that's the one thing we know he's not going to do. And then you come in and do it. Like, boxing can be that clever. And I'm always looking for a tell or always looking for the question that upsets them or what they don't want to answer. It's not whether or not I know the truth. It's whether or not they'll give me a tell so I can figure out the truth. Always skeptical, always trying to catch them in between their shenanigans and their propaganda. So, uh, Sporting Icons is wondering if you've heard anything from Wilder since he got beat by Tyson. Uh, I saw the same Wakanda face face and camera post that you did. Uh, no, he has not reached out to me. I haven't heard anything uh, privately that you haven't heard publicly. Have you, Michelle? No. Um, I actually texted him after the fight. You know, I mean, I. Or actually, like a few days after, because I knew everybody was probably going to be messaging him. And I just, you know, offered my support. And normally, you know, Deontay always replies, and I didn't even get a reply to that. So, um, unfortunately, I have not. I have spoken to people in his team, though, and, you know, he's he's fine. doing fine, so. Yeah, I think... What? Yes, yes no, no, I haven't heard from him. <laughs> Money J97 wants to know what your thoughts are on the Fury Glove Gate. The Fury Glove Gate? Honestly. <laughs> Michelle? I, to be honest with you, I'm surprised this is even a talk conversation. But I, I, uh, I've seen the videos. I'm... I, I don't know what to say about it, honestly. I don't believe that he's cheating. I, I, I don't see anything that leads me to believe that he's cheated. Um, but I obviously know Tyson and his family very well, and I know the type of man that he is and the, the pride that he has in, in calling himself the best. And I just don't see it. I just don't. You guys can rip me all you want for that shit, but I just don't. 
Uh, a couple weeks ago, someone asked about somebody else's cheating. I, I forget wh what the question was, but it was about, like, doping or whatever, if I thought somebody was doping. But they hadn't been caught in a test doping. I've seen the videos, too. We've all seen the video. But the responsibility lies on the officials on the night in the venue to catch any illegal behavior or uh, illegal use of equipment. There are commissions to review fights. There, there are ways in which this can be adjudicated. I don't have any information that you don't have. Me watching a video of what is definitely questionable as to how it looks can't drive me to a conclusion of what it is. Do I think it's worth a look? Absolutely. In fact, if anything is questioned in the combat sport to the degree that even fans who can be hyperbolic and way, uh, you know, conspiratorial get to a point where it becomes a broad conversation, even if it's a misunderstanding or they don't really get it, someone should address it just to put it to bed. I think that's fair to Tyson. Like, it's such a it's such a prominent conversation or it was before everything got locked down. People were like, when it was hot, it was hot. And enough people were chiming in that I think it, Tyson deserves to be cleared or at least to have it addressed by a neutral party that can adjudicate this kind of information. And really, if there was something awry, the commission in the, in the locker room dropped the ball. The ref in the ring dropped the ball. After the fight, the commission dropped the ball again. And if all we have now is videotape, I would leave it with those who have cameras in the locker room, who you could zoom in and watch his ring walk. Because here's the thing. I don't believe that in the locker room he could reposition his hand in a glove and do the, you know, in the middle of the ring, pound the gloves with the other fighter have his glove checked by the ref, and then come out, and all of a sudden his fists are, you know, in the wrong place. So this is something that would have either had to happen on the way of the ring, in the corner, during the fight. Like, there are enough video cameras in Las Vegas, in the locker room, in the arena, pointed at the ring. There's enough, there are enough people in a chain of, like, custody of his gloves there to actually construct an investigation. And if I was Tyson Fury, I would welcome it. Not because I did something wrong, but because there's so many people speculating on something. If I believe that I didn't do anything wrong, that could clear my name. He deserves credit for the win. And until you can say otherwise, definitively, you can't take that credit from him. That's just... That's Remember, like, they're being filmed 24-7. Like, there's camera, camera crews everywhere. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically insinuating that everybody turned you know, a blind eye to what they could have caught. I mean, I just find that as a bit, a bit of a stretch. Look, just like what you're saying, at the end of the day, it's not what we think. It's ultimately, you know, the powers above us who have to do, if they feel that there's enough evidence in it, then they will have to look into it. Otherwise, our opinion is fuck all. I, I, agree, I agree, except to the point that our opinion doesn't mean fuck all. Because in boxing, unfortunately, we are rife with poor, poor judging. There has been there have been scandals in boxing that are atrocious and things that weren't caught on the night. And some things that were, and you don't know how many nights they weren't caught until you did catch them. So in this kind of sport, 
one thing I've learned is that I get what you're saying. It's it's it it's our responsibility to a degree to point something out if it doesn't look right. But at the end, end of the day, day I, I also see my position, position as, as in, in terms, terms of what, what I, I do. do my opinion, my opinion really doesn't matter, doesn't matter and, that's and that's why I try to stay away from vocalizing, vocalizing too much, too much controversial, controversial topics because no matter how, no matter how, how you argue, argue it, there's a 50% chance, chance you're right and there's a 50% chance, right, right, chance, chance you're wrong. You're wrong. And, and, and you end, you end up, quote, quote wrong, wrong in what in you said, said then you're accountable for that. So I choose to leave it as I'm an opinion from a friend of Tyson Perry and his family. And knowing him for many years, I can tell you without a doubt, I do not believe him to be a cheater. As a neutral observer, and knowing how many atrocities have happened sports across the spectrum, and how even even a window, window take someone's, someone's legacy. legacy. I say, I say Tyson Tyson is not a cheater. Deontay is not a cheater. Deontay Wilder got stopped. His corner threw in the towel, which is a TKO. And Tyson Fury is the WBC heavyweight champion. Also, I say investigate it. Investigate it till the cows come home. With those who not have YouTube channels, not have a, a large. Instagram following, not having axe to grind, but who are tasked with keeping this sport legal and legitimate and safe. There are plenty of ways in which to investigate something like this, and I do think it's worth investigating for everybody's sake. Tyson Fury, most, most importantly, so that his legacy remains untainted if it shouldn't be. And I don't see him throwing a fit saying don't look into it. I mean, as far as he's concerned, he doesn't really care how far people look into things. I mean, yeah, you're right. Let it be an investigation, and then let's move on. Right, let's move into our quarantine houses, in yeah. fact. So, and, and, and debate these kind of topics in our, one of our four quarantine houses. I'm telling you, people, we're coming to that right after I'm going to answer with one more question. We're going to figure out what quarantine houses you want to be in. And then I'm going to get back to my quarantine house and let you get back to yours. One more question. Uh, H Money, Mr. DeZone, is wondering if Jose Ramirez's fighting style reminds you both of Antonio Margarito. H Money, what's his name? H Money, Mr. DeZone. H Money, Mr. DeZone. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I got some questions for you, sir. But I will put those on the back burner. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty inside boxing question and a good one. Ramirez uh, versus Margarito. And it's funny that you bring up Margarito considering what we're talking about. Right? <laughs> um, oh, wow. Even Siri wants to chime in on this one. The mashing process during the brewing of your whiskey. Do you want me to keep reading? Um, no, that's my private business, Siri. <laughs> Sorry. Not, not all my weeks have been dry. <laughs> um, uh, I think Margarito... You know what? I cannot answer that question because Margarito was caught cheating in a fashion that I won't interview him anymore. haven't since that scandal happened. I don't know what he did of his own accord or what he did with the cast 
on his fist. I don't think he has a style. I think that this guy should never, ever, in a million years, have been allowed to enter the ring again. Nor should any fight that he's ever been in stand as a win on his record. The only thing that he should exist in the annals of boxing are the fighters who beat him. And those fighters should have a gold star next to those wins because they probably beat a guy who was fighting them with bats under his gloves. So, uh, unfortunately, I can't compare Margarito to anybody. I even get a little sick taste in my mouth talking about Margarito. And that is the reason why I think boxing should be vigorously investigated. And most of the time, you'll come up with nothing. But when you come up with something, it's worth getting those pieces of shit out of the sport. Okay, how's it? What, what quarantine house do you want to live in, Michelle? Because clearly, if Margarito's in one of them, I'm not going to be allowed in there. Uh, <laughs> you be evicted right away. Yeah. <laughs> um, see, I'm I'm very conflicted because, and I'm gonna explain why I'm choosing this house. I would have gone with house number two all day, every day, right? We're but sure. I am asthmatic. Yeah. And <laughs> I can't do it. I don't smoke myself. I don't like it. I don't like being around it. Um. So for that reason only, I'm going to have to say house number two is out. House number three is definitely out because God, <laughs> I don't want to be around all that hostility. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm a peaceful person. And that house is going to be popping with drama. Like that's going to be like an episode of like, what's that show they have out there? The hip hop show on, M is it MTV or VH1? One of those? Uh, Big Brother? Or some, something like that. Uh, yeah, nah. Uh, on that. Uh, That's anxiety. Like, I'm going to have to say no to that. Um, so I'm going to roll with house number four. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like Ryan Garcia would keep me up to par on what to do with social media. <laughs> McGregor's going to come hard with the whiskey. Uh... I like Riri, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we could really vibe. Um, Michael Blackson will keep the jokes coming because you know I like to laugh. And uh, Manny Pacquiao will keep me connected to my um, spiritual like side. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like there's a good balance in that house for me, personally. Uh, uh, okay. First of all, I'm going to try to have a block party. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is. <laughs> I want a hop house because if all these houses could exist on one or two streets, I am putting a DJ in the intersection, and we're going to have the flyest quarantine neighborhood in the history of epidemics. <laughs> but where I go home to rest my head, first house number one. Are you kidding? I know. I didn't even mention it. <laughs> Honestly, if I wanted to be in jail, I would just go to jail. <laughs> I'm not going to, like, voluntarily live in house number one. I could have lived in house number one any day up until this point. So, yeah, um, cell block C is, or cell block A is, is out of the question. So, no, how is that out of the question? House number two is still, 
listen, if you if you don't hear Cardi B scream coronavirus at least once a day, are you even quarantined? Like honestly, does it even count? <laughs> I could I could have, I could absolutely exist in house number two. Uh, but the the clouded hanging level of thick indica and sativa would be overwhelming. Like, I just, I don't live that way anymore. That house doesn't smell like tequila and whiskey. That's what I'm into these days. I'm past the uh, thick clouds of smoke. So I, uh, mm, mm. I would, I want to live next door to house number two, though. I don't know if I could be in there, but keep a window open. I'll keep a window open. And we can play our drums from across the yard, 100%. House number three. Okay, here's the thing. I love beef. You have to understand. I, you know how many interviews I will do in house number three? These people are going to be fighting 24-7. Yes. You won't do an interview, but she'll definitely be there to capture the footage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's willing to talk to me. I'm gonna get banned in my own house. <laughs> well, for you, for the people, the people I get up out of bed for every morning and face these fighters screaming in my face and banning me from my gyms and refusing to do interviews and then over the top talking shit to me to my face. And hear all these YouTube comments trying to shame me. All the things that are part of my life are happening in house number three. Will I be enjoying myself personally? No, it's going to be hell. But this is the hell I've chosen. So I'm saying for you, for the people, the boxing community, I will live in the house you most want reported on. And house number four, just so you know, because, Michelle, I think you may... The wise and peaceful choice. I would like to hear Ryan Garcia and, and, and Conor McGregor and all, you know, all these people. It's going to be fun. You're going to have fun there. Because I think all those people are putting on a bit of a shtick. None of those people are like real dickheads. You know what I mean? So that's going to be fun. Tune in to Behind the Gloves from House Number 4. It's going to be a fun time. If you want to see some real, real ghetto guts and blood, tune in to House Number 3. I got you covered. But main, mainly, the bot party's gonna be poppin'. Um, with that said, I am going to do my best to do anything but recreate house number three in my existing quarantine house. I'm gonna get back to my whiskey and tequila. I'm gonna let Michelle get back to her, you know, uh, peaceful reinforcement of positivity. For all those who have been wrong on the internet. <laughs> Look, I think quarantine, quarantine uh -huh. is really starting to, to take effect. Let me explain something. I officially have little nub fingers because I cannot get my nails done. Um, Audra has started a hashtag, I'm with her. For the, for the nails and... The peaceful reinforcement of positivity on the internet. Apparently, once again, I've been banned in my own house. So, <laughs> I will see you kids next week. I am happy to be stuck with you, stuck with you all. 
and hopefully we'll be stuck together in public, all sticky and virusy again one day soon. Actually, my side, side experiment. experiment. So I'm gonna go get myself adjusted. Bye, 